What a beautiful, beautiful song. Brother Shane, thank you for introducing us to that. Did y'all enjoy that? I enjoyed it when they sang it the other week. I enjoyed it even more singing it along with them today. How beautiful. The reminder of why we're here. Not just here, but why we're here. Why we live. Why we're made. That we would praise the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. It's good to be back. I'm thankful for Brother Grant filling in, preaching, not filling in, preaching. Uh, he serves here as well, and he, he preached and uh, did a good job last week. I've heard from many of you that you really appreciated him uh, sharing the word last week as well, and I'm thankful for you, brother. I'm thankful to be back as well. It's good to be. It was good to be able to take a group to go to New Orleans to see Harvest Church, to see the church that Emmanuel has planted there. Uh, to see Andrew that many of you met when he was here a couple months ago. Uh, it was neat to be in a different atmosphere, but something about being back with our church family. And so I'm thankful to be here today. Thankful to be able to open the word with you, to be able to hear your voices as we sing this morning. And so as we're in Acts chapter 8, just a reminder, because it has been a couple weeks since we've been in Acts chapter 8. While we're here We've just recently seen the, the persecution against the Christian church at Jerusalem really ramped up and the people spread. So they have left out of Jerusalem and gone to Samaria and surrounding areas just like Jesus said that they would in the way that he said that they would. And now they're sharing the gospel in those areas. So you have people in Samaria, Samaritans. You have people outside of Jerusalem that are now responding to the gospel that are becoming Christians, that are becoming part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to continue with that. Philip has been one of the main characters that Luke has highlighted here that, that has been preaching and sharing in Samaria. And today we're going to see Philip preaching in a different area outside of Jerusalem as well. So look with me in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So we see here the, the background, the setting for what's going on today. So Philip was there. We're not sure specifically if, if he was still in Samaria or if he had headed back toward Jerusalem. But he's somewhere north, and he's told to go south toward this specific area. And as best we can see here, he's not really told why. He just has to take this from the angel of the Lord on faith, that there's a good reason for him to be where he's being sent. And so we see that he's, he heads down there. When he gets there, he finds a specific man, not just any man, a, a very influential man, a very well-to-do man. This, this guy is the, the eunuch that is over all of the treasury for Ethiopia. Ethiopia was a long way from where they were here. So I was reading this week and studying, and Daryl Bach in his commentary says that the trip... One way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem by chariot would take five months. So we see a man here that is unexpectedly Jewish. Ethiopia is five months travel by chariot from Jerusalem. So to find that this man was Jewish at least 
that he worshipped Yahweh enough that he's reading the scroll of Isaiah, right? He's reading the scriptures of God. He traveled, he made that trip all the way to Jerusalem just to be able to worship God there. And so unexpectedly Jewish that you find this man. It would have been surprising to run across an Ethiopian and find that he is Jewish. But not only is he Jewish, not only has he been to Jerusalem, but he's also here reading the scroll of Isaiah. And not by chance, while he's trying to read and understand the scroll of Isaiah, in the middle of the desert runs into Philip. And we see that's not by chance because we see that the Lord is the one that sent Philip to be there. And let's see what happens then. Verse 29, it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So this man, again, he's reading. And this isn't something that would have been very typical in this day and time. There weren't very many people that had entire scroll copies of books of the Bible. And so this man has the scroll, and he's reading it, and he's trying to understand it. And so Philip, the Spirit, this time, the first time, the angel of the Lord tells him to go to this place. This time, the Holy Spirit, so God himself, speaks to him and says, go join the chariot. I think it's very interesting the way that Philip responds there. Whenever he's told in verse 29 to go over and join this chariot, in verse 30 it says, So Philip ran to him. I love that. It, I'd read, I don't know how many times I read this passage this week preparing, and then last night was the first time I noticed that. Philip ran. Right? Spirit says, go to that chariot. And Philip didn't say, okay. He didn't casual. He ran to do what the Lord told him to do. So he gets there and he sees the eunuch reading and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And of course the eunuch says, Absolutely not. How can I, unless someone guides me? And that wording is very specific, and it paints a picture for us that, that helps us to understand this idea of, of needing to be guided, the way he says it, would, would be reminiscent of someone that was a blind man who was trying to get somewhere and literally needed someone to take them by the hand and to guide them through an area that they haven't been through. So he, he says to Philip, how would I know what I'm reading? It's as if I'm blind. I do not understand this text. I need someone to take me by the hand and guide me. And I believe, I read it this week, and I agree with the scholar that wrote it. I believe at that point, the light bulb probably came on for Philip. And he said, now I know why I'm here. You know, he, he's, he's in Samaria or possibly Jerusalem, and he's told to travel all the way down here. And he doesn't question it. He goes, and then he sees the chariot, and the Spirit says, go and join that chariot. And so he's just being obedient, but in some ways it appears somewhat blindly obedient, just doing what the Lord's told him to. And then he gets there, and he hears a man reading Isaiah, and he says, well, that's interesting. Man, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, how could I unless somebody were to take me by the hand and to help me understand what I'm reading. And I think Philip said, all right, Lord, I got you now. I know why I'm here. But not only do we see that here, but again, we see the wisdom. We see the foreknowledge. Seeing into the future. We see the love and the grace of God in this. And that God knew where the eunuch was going to be. And he knew when he was going to be there. He knew the eunuch's 
plans and he knew the eunuch's heart and he knew that this man wanted to worship him. He knew that this man wanted to understand what the Bible said, but he couldn't. And so God divinely appoints Philip to be in this place at this time so that he could understand these scriptures. And I think it's such a beautiful reminder of who God is and what God is capable of. And then in verse 32, we understand, we're told what it is that the man was reading. It's a beautiful reminder to us of what we've just sang as well. Verse 32, it says, Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? So here we start to understand even more about this eunuch. It was surprising to us that he was Jewish in background, but this man that was Jewish apparently has not heard about Jesus. Or if he has, he at least hasn't put together yet that Jesus was the one that these Old Testament prophecies were pointing to. And so we see here a beautiful passage. And it's easy for us to get caught up because this is a narrative and we're looking at Philip and we're looking at the eunuch. And it's easy for us to skip over what we read from Isaiah chapter 53 here. But I don't want us to miss that this, this wasn't just good for the eunuch to hear and understand This is good for us to hear and understand. This is good for our hearts because Jesus is the lamb that was slaughtered for us. Jesus is the one who humbly went to the cross. Jesus is the one who had justice denied him. Even though he had never sinned, even though he had never done a single thing wrong, he died the worst death that any person has ever died in order to purchase redemption and freedom for us. And then Philip explains this to the eunuch. Verse 35 says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. I think it's very key that, that he starts here, right? Isaiah 53, if, you say, if I say to y'all, Hey, I want you to go and tell one of your co-workers about Jesus this week. It's a challenge I have for you to go and to share Jesus. I want you to take a passage of Scripture that clearly tells who Jesus is, and I want you to share it with one of your co-workers this week. There probably aren't many of us that are going to flip to the book of Isaiah, to Isaiah 53, to find a passage. But it doesn't say here that that Philip jumps to the, the words of Matthew or Mark, that Philip just starts to tell. No, it says he starts with this Scripture. Which is a reminder to us that, that all Scripture is about God. right? All Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, all of it is revealing to us who God is and what He has done through the work of Jesus Christ, through the atoning work of Christ. It's either pointing us to that and preparing us for that, showing us our need for that, reminding us of what Christ did. And so He starts there and He shares this good news with the eunuch. And it doesn't tell us exactly what He says. It doesn't give us word for word what their conversation was like. But I know this, it had to have included baptism. Philip had to have included baptism because we're going to see in just a minute that the eunuch is prepared for baptism. But also it had to have included some other things. It had to have included that that we on our own are helpless and hopeless sinners. Right? That we are guilty 
and that we need to be forgiven because that's part of the good news. There's no way that this man would be able to respond in faith without that, so it had to have included that we are condemned and guilty, helpless and hopeless, unless God intervened and did something on our behalf. He must have explained that, that this text is pointing to Jesus and who Jesus is and that Jesus is really God and that he left heaven and came here and that he lived a perfect life and never sinned and died an atoning death where he paid the price for our sins. But then he came back to life and he's alive now and that he's returning. That, that these things, at least this, this gospel has to have been part of what he explains to him. Because in verse 35 it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture he told him the good news. And a lot of you know that good news, that's what gospel means. Gospel means good news. So he shares with him the gospel. But stop for just a moment. And let me remind all of us that this is good news for this eunuch to hear. Man, this guy, he's, he's riding in the desert. Just him and his chariot driver. He's been on a, a several-month journey. And he's been in Jerusalem. He's probably so excited. Some of you have done this sort of thing. You go to a conference or something, and you get there, and you're so excited. He saw the temple. A Jewish man made a five-month trip, and he saw the temple, and he worshipped in Jerusalem, and he's so excited, and he's heading home, and he's reading his Bible, and he reads it, and he says, I have no idea what this means. And that's what's probably so frustrating him. And in that moment... There's a man standing by the side of the road in the desert who says, do you know what you're reading? And he said, no, I have no idea what I'm reading. Won't you come up here and tell me? And this man sits down and says, let me tell you about Jesus. And for the first time ever, this eunuch's eyes are open and he understands, and we're going to see in just a moment, that he immediately responds with obedience and lordship to Jesus Christ. He displays it through baptism. But this is not just good news for the eunuch. This is good news for us. Because, brothers and sisters, even though some of us have been saved for a long time, so sometimes we, we lose sight of the excitement that this man has right here. Brothers and sisters, without Jesus, we would still be helpless and hopeless. We'd still be guilty and lost sinners. We'd still be headed for hell. That would be all of us. Without the gospel, without Jesus and what he's done for. So this is good news. This is really good news. This is the good news. What I call it the gospel. The good news. The best news ever for him and for us. And we see his response in verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So we see here, right, I told you there's an immediate response to this eunuch. He, under, he hears the gospel, he hears about Jesus, he understands that he should be baptized, it's an act of obedience, it's a profession of faith that he should follow in Jesus' footsteps and do this, and, and they're right, and as soon as he says, sees water, he says, why not right now? Stop the chariot. I want to follow Jesus right now. And it's amazing, they go down in the water, and, and Philip baptizes him, and they come up, and Philip, poof, he's gone. Right, the Spirit carries him away, 
maybe possibly uh, transported to Azotus. And the, the Ethiopian, he goes into the water with Philip, and he comes out of the water, and Philip's not there, but he's not worried about Philip because this brother's worried about Jesus. It says that, that even though the eunuch saw him no more, he went on his way rejoicing. He was so focused on Jesus that he just wanted to rejoice. Riding down a desert road with months to go to get home, and this brother's just rejoicing. He couldn't help but be excited about what Christ had done in his life. And this is in Acts, and, and we've talked about this several times over the last couple months, but in Acts, it's not necessarily telling us what we have to do, and so we have to look at this and kind of draw out some application points, and I have a few that I want to end with, a few things that we see this, and it's a beautiful story. Many of you know this story. This is one that you've heard since vacation Bible school and Sunday school when you were little. But there's some things I think that we really need to try and make sure that we understand to apply this to our lives. And the first one that I have for you this morning, and I've got it in two ways. I couldn't decide how I wanted to do point one. So you can pick the one that you want most, those of you that take notes, and you can write it down the way you like. But you can either have point one, this was no chance encounter. Or you can have, you've got options. Isn't that nice? Have it your way. God is all-knowing. There's two ways of saying the same thing, brother. God knew the Ethiopian's plans, and God know, knew the Ethiopian's heart. He knew where he was going to be, and he knew when he was going to be there, and he knew that this was fertile soil that was ripe, that when the seed of the gospel was planted, that it was going to grow. And so God sends his man, Philip, to be there to share this gospel with him. It didn't happen by chance. It happened by God. Because God knows everything. And, and as we see this, it reminds me of probably one of the most, or it's two verses, but probably one of the most popular Proverbs that there are, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Because there are a lot of times in life that we think we know where we need to be. That we think we know what we need to be doing. That we think that we know what's best for us or those around us. But the truth is, while sometimes we may be correct, God always knows. God always knows where we should be. God always knows when we should be there. God always knows what we should be doing when we're there. And so we need to remember... It strengthens our faith. It strengthens my faith to remember that God knows everything. That he can literally see tomorrow and the next day. And that he knows what you're going to be doing. And he knows what the people around you are going to be doing. He knows what you need to be doing. It strengthens my faith to be reminded that I follow a God who can literally see into the future. Who knows absolutely everything. Who never makes mistakes. All right, the second point is that Scripture can be hard. And it's really a sub-point, but I didn't want to gloss over it. I think for some of us, this is a relief to hear. Right, man, you see this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading the scroll of Isaiah, and it's like, man, that guy's got it together. Like, I mean, really, imagine seeing some dude riding down the road holding a scroll like this. You're like, that guy knows what he's doing. But he said, whenever Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I unless someone guides me? And brother said, he, he asked a very good question in verse 34. He says, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? Is Isaiah talking about himself or is Isaiah talking about somebody else? It's a great question to ask. 
And I just want you to hear that this morning, that sometimes interpreting Scripture and understanding what Scripture is saying is hard. It's difficult for all of us. And so if you open your Bible today or tomorrow and you read something and you don't understand it, don't get frustrated and close it and say, I just can't do this. But instead say, hey, I'm like a blind person and I need a guide. And let's find you a guide, whether that's a study Bible, whether that's a whole Bible commentary, whether that's a brother or sister that you can meet with from this church, somebody that you can meet with weekly and y'all can read Scripture and discuss it together. If you have questions, you can call me. But don't get frustrated and just quit trying. Let's just try it in a different way. The Ethiopian didn't understand Isaiah until Philip got in and Philip explained it. Now he understood all of it and responded well. So scripture can be hard. Don't be, don't be discouraged. Continue trying to understand and read and study the word of God. Point three, kind of another sub-point, but all scripture points to Jesus. Again, it's not something I just wanted to gloss over. We've talked about that. We see it so clearly here. That you take Isaiah 53, or you can take the book of Genesis, or you can take the book of Revelation, or you can take anywhere in between. And you can see that God uses it. It's his special revelation. That's what we refer to the scriptures as. The special revelation of God to us. You want to know what God's like? Read the Bible. You want to know what God's plan is? Read the Bible. You want to know what God desires for you? Read the Scriptures. You want to know what you should be or shouldn't be doing? Read the Scriptures. It's His special revelation of Himself to us. He shows us all these things. How we got here, where we're going, what we should be doing in between. It's all found in the Bible. And it all points to Jesus. It all tells us about God. The last point, and this is probably the one that will be the the take-home application for most of us is that the proper response, parentheses, to God, is always immediate obedience. And we see that twice. I see that at least twice in this text. So I've got a map for you. Some of you like maps and that sort of thing. Um, So on this map, you see Samaria is, is way up there at the top. And then you've got Jerusalem. And again, we're not exactly sure where Philip was, wherever this whole deal started, but he was in one of those two places. So from Samaria to Jerusalem is like 30 miles. Now, 30 miles isn't a big deal, traveling 70 miles an hour down the interstate. But on foot, that's a pretty big deal. So he may have been in Samaria and had to make a 30-mile trip to Jerusalem, and then the trip to Gaza, to the old place of Gaza that we think this meeting took place, where they would have found water, uh, was about 50 miles. So Philip... Angel of the Lord shows up and either says, hey, head 50 miles on foot, or says, hey, head 80 miles on foot. It's even more mind-blowing that God knew exactly where the eunuch would be and exactly when he would be there, that he sent Philip that far ahead of time. Right? So the angel shows up and says, I'm not, I don't know that he tells him exactly why, but he tells him where to go and when to be there, and so he heads out. Immediate obedience. We see it again. Philip gets there and he sees his chariot and right. This is an Ethiopian guy. This is somebody he's never met. This is a court official. Big time deal. And and God says, go join that chariot. And Philip doesn't say, no, I don't know about that. He doesn't say, well, God, are you sure? No, he runs to the chariot. And God uses that in an amazing way. That this man who's headed back to Ethiopia, we don't see the fullness of what comes out of this, but an influential man who had lots of connections in his country, heads back to his country, rejoicing 
and Jesus on the way. And we see it again in the, in the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He hears the gospel. He hears that, that, that what people should do whenever they are cut to the heart, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, by the gospel, is that they should respond in obedience and faith and repentance and baptism. And he says, there's water, let's stop now, because I want to start following Jesus from this moment on. And so for us, it doesn't matter if God is revealing to us in the Scriptures something, you read your Bible and there's something in there that you should start doing that you're not, or there's something in there that you should stop doing that you are, or whether it's through a brother or sister that the Lord uses to hold us accountable and speak something to us, whether it's in Sunday school or a sermon. But when the Lord makes clear to us that there's something that He has for us to do, the proper response is always immediate obedience. That we follow Him. That we do what He's called us to. That we show, that we believe that He knows everything and that we don't by our actions. So this morning, really, we see in this text two very, very important responses. And if you're here, and you're like this eunuch, and this is the first time that you're really hearing the gospel, that God loves you enough that He left heaven and came to earth to die in your place, then I would say that the proper response is what we saw in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. It says, Now when they heard this, the gospel, when these people heard the gospel, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have never responded in faith by repenting of your sins and turning to Jesus and then following in believer's baptism, I pray that the Lord, if he's calling you to do that today, that you would respond in that way. And if you have questions about that, I would love to talk to you about that. If you're here this morning, though, and you have responded in faith, and Jesus is your Lord, and you know that you know that he is, but there's something that the Bible has called you to do that you are not listening to. Or the Holy Spirit has prompted you to pray for somebody, or to care for somebody, or to love your neighbors more well than you are, and you are not doing it then I pray that our response would be that that we see here of Philip, immediate obedience. Lord, whatever you call me to do, I will do it. Even if I do not understand it, because your wisdom and your understanding is far more reaching than mine. I want to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to have a time of response. As we think about these things, as we think about what the Lord would have us to do in response to this beautiful story that we've seen, this beautiful account of the gospel working in ways and places that we would never expect. I trust that there are some of you that need to respond in a specific way. And if you need to pray, you can do that where you are. Or you can come down here. If you want somebody to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. If you want to speak to someone, if you have questions, I would love to answer those questions. Or if you just want to sing in response to God because of how good he is, then you can do that as well. But you respond however the Lord's calling you to as the praise team leads us in a hymn of invitation.